0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Alex and Mo. I am a PT podcast. We celebrated Speech Language Pathology Month in May, and um, unfortunately, we did not get to air any speech language pathologists. But we are fortunate to have as our guests tonight um, Anna and Laura, both speech language pathologists, joining us to share their experience and their interests with traumatic brain injury individuals, uh, for context, um, I met, uh, Laura probably, um, uh, t- almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a while. Um, so, uh, we got to meet under very strange circumstances, um, I just started uh, private my private practice um, with my business partner at that time, and we started getting referrals from different hospitals. And we got a call asking if I would go to Bethesda to see a patient. And I was like, "Well, I don't really serve that area, but I'll, I'll, I'll accept it because as a new business, you want to start, you know, getting as many referrals as possible." So. I told the caseworker to send, send a referral over and, um, I, I read the clinicals and honestly tears came to my eye and I was stumped because I was like, oh boy, what did I get myself into? Uh, <laughs> so, um, I reached out to a colleague of mine, um, who I worked with previously at a skilled nursing facility and asked if she would be an OT on the case because I believe it was a case that she could really lend her expertise to. And, uh, we agreed. Unfortunately, we didn't have a speech therapist to work with Laura at that time. Um, so we had to outsource that part of the services, but, um, upon meeting Laura, she was the most optimistic person that I've Ever met, and her optimism and her faith actually motivated me to give my best shot at each visit. And listening to her feedback, coming not only from her experience as a therapist, but now as a patient, allowed me to become more patient centered with my treatment and listen to what the patient had to say. And even though the science or the evidence would challenge me at times that this may not happen, I kept pushing it because you believed that it was gonna happen. And I remember when we started getting you up from the wheelchair and doing balance stuff in your living room, and I was excited when you kept your balance longer than a minute. And then we started walking and then I was like, okay, we're going to do the stairs next. And you look at me like, yeah, you're crazy. But, (laughs) um, and we did it. I remember the first time we walked, um, on the street and then you said, you know what? I want to do a five K. And I looked at you and I was like, "Oh," (laughs) I was like, I've never done a five K before, but Okay. (laughs) So I was like, okay, that's probably going to take another year or two. Um, but I know when we discharged you from home health, you went to, um, a special facility in Florida and then you came back and you were like, I'm ready. And I was like, oh crap, (laughs) this is, (laughs) this is for real. So, um, and we did it and actually it was an enjoyable day. Uh, we completed the entire race, um, no mishaps, no falls and, I have a nickname for her hand. We, we call it lefty (laughs) because she'll always be talking to her hand saying, come on, you got to move lefty. You got to move. So, (laughs) so, but it, it was a very teachable moment for me and I appreciate you, Laura. Um, you made me become a better therapist Mm -hmm. and a better human being, and it actually elevated my faith as well.
1: Thank you. It goes both ways. I, called my mom um she's actually in florida right now i called her to before this to just have her because my memory of those days is not very strong so Mm -hmm. i want her to tell me what was it like and her she just said that they had made all these Thrown together adaptations to the house, like they were thinking, oh man, are we going to have to knock down that wall and <laughs> you know move? Um, they built a ramp because I was discharged in a wheelchair. Yep. Um, that medical professionals overall were very hesitant. I would say to give reason for hope. Um. And that's a point that Anne and I have come back to again and again is the importance of hope. But then come Monique and her clinical partner at that time, Roz and Oti. Um And what I would say the overarching theme that Monique brought in the house was just hope. Um, my mom recalls that Monique said yeah we're gonna have you up in no time we're gonna do all this and just just so exciting and i'm a very determined person so i clung to having someone tap into that determination um i was so ready for it so yeah we didn't have to use those ramps and all the (laughs) Quickly throwing together modifications to the home, but for great reasons.
0: Yep. Um, and you guys lived on a, an incline too. So yeah. the ramp would have been a pretty extensive uh, project yeah. for you guys too. But I think there were um, 18
1: steps leading up to the door, front door.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so but uh the overall experience was was great uh you had great family support your sister sarah her husband your mom your dad you know i saw them praying they even encouraged me at times when i was like "Ooh, it's it's gonna be a challenge so uh the support went both ways and um as i was telling alex i prayed before every session mm-hmm. and just ask God to just glorify himself um, through my actions and just guide me. And there will be times like, I'll be like, Whoa, where did that come from? And I was like, I just knew it wasn't, it wasn't me. So. Mm
1: -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. and That gives me hope too, in my own clinical practice, I Mm -hmm. wish the best for my clients and I pray for them a lot of times just to be guided in what directions I'm going with therapy. And um, yeah, you don't, I would say, particularly with uh, brain injury rehabilitation, you don't see fast changes. Um, So you have to have that hope in the long-term vision of this is what we've got. This is how we can work towards this, compensate for it. But We've still got that end goal in mind, um, and there's reason to hope. The brain is a crazy, crazy organ, <laughs> and neuroplasticity um, is awesome. Yeah.
2: Well, so, it's, sorry. It's, uh, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. You mentioned hope. Um, you know, and, and it's something that I take into with with all my patient encounters because. I feel like hope is the one thing that that people can kind of grab onto, um, because a lot of times some of the physical stuff that they're dealing with, and, and in your situation, I mean, you're like you said, it, it the type of injury, traumatic brain injury, you're not gonna get those improvements on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes it takes longer, so it's it's very difficult to to grab onto to something to say, hey, look. I'm physically able to do this that I wasn't able to do yesterday because it doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. Right. But the hope that I can at some point be able to do this, that's something that you can hold on to and use that on a day-to-day basis. Um, You know, I always tell, you know, my background before getting into home health was outpatient orthopedics, primarily sports. Um, And it's the same thing when, when you're working with an athlete who's torn their ACL um, or whatever the cases, they need that hope, that hope that they can get back to to the, the court, the field, whatever it is that they were doing because physically and objectively, they can't see it on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know it takes months to get to that point and, and in some situations years to, to really get from point A to point B. Um, but to hold on to that hope is important. And I think as as healthcare practitioners, it's a big part of our job to give them that hope. Because if we don't give it to them, then it's very hard to get them to buy in to the actual stuff that we do know and the actual stuff that we're trying to get them to do. Um, You know, I've learned a lot more about what your profession brings to to the the healthcare world being in the home, Um, because there's a lot of things that I had no clue you guys were able to 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 take on and, and to really improve and, and progress, but you know it, it it still comes back to giving that patient the hope to say, with work, patience, uh, you know, faith. Um, as Mo knows, and and people that have watched our episodes, uh, faith is very important to me. Um, you know, all of this that I have today is not because of anything that I've done. Um, I've just been very blessed, and I've used the the, the gifts that were given to me to, to push it forward, as you uh young women have done as well. Uh but but yeah, I I think that's a key thing, and, and for Mo to be able to bring that to your sessions and, and you give it to her, and, and it's a thing because it's a it's a give and take thing, it's not just one individual taking one individual giving, you know, it it, it goes back and forth and And that's how we help each other out because when you're working in cases like that, you you need that, you need to feed off of each other, um, to be able to continue to, to, to do the work because it's a long, long, slow, uh, process.
3: Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. As Laura and I say in a lot of our presentations too, it's, it's backed by research as well, that there's a lot of research showing that if people have hope they do better in the long run um so Anna did you start off um
0: working with uh traumatic brain injury uh patients or it just evolved as you practiced
3: yeah well Laura and I were working together doing our clinical fellowship at a skilled nursing facility um when Laura had her accident so in that facility there were some traumatic brain injury patients. I wouldn't say that was a large part, but we did see, see a few. Um, but I definitely see more now where I am in, in inpatient rehab. Um, and I, I think like I have gained more of an interest in that population going through this experience or watching Laura go through her experience and being part of that experience too, for sure. Yeah. Okay.
0: Oh. And personally, um, do you prefer working in the inpatient setting or, uh, skilled nursing
3: facility? <laughs> um, you can take a guess, but, um, impatient is, is pre- preferable.
0: Preferable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Uh, no, the reason why I ask is because I have professed that I'm not going to go back to Another setting I am home health is going to (laughs) be my setting for life, um, or until retirement. So, so I definitely do have my preferences and, (laughs) um, just wondering if you had had one as well. (laughs) Yeah. So,
1: so Laura.
2: Yeah. What setting are you in Laura?
1: I am in an outpatient a day program for adults with mostly acquired head injuries. Um, some are heterogenic um, neurologic, but most we we have some strokes, some uh, car accident, gunshot wound. Um, yeah. And I work in the day program, so clients will, adults will come to our day program and Complete um, different groups. Uh, we have reading comprehension, speech, uh, listening groups. Uh, I started a compensatory strategies group, things like that.
2: And are you both in the Maryland area? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, Laura, um, how is it practicing even with your memory issues? because i i knew one thing that you did was you would write um stuff down in your journal and mm-hmm. you go back to it and you 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 ask me before we started something okay did this happen and you make sure that it was what you wrote so <laughs> how how are you able to practice with the challenges with your memory stuff?
1: So. yeah i Love some good compensatory strategies. Um, The external strategies like note taking, um, putting things if I need to leave in the morning or something. I will always pack my bag the night before and put it like in front of my door. So I literally can't go out the door without remembering to grab it. Um, so there are lots of great external strategies. Uh, phones are amazing. All of the strategies we have at our fingertips. Um, mm-hmm. Like I take pictures of where I park. Um, I write down kind of creepy notes in my contacts. Um, <laughs> and so his child was born on this day when... Um, <laughs> But You're going to have to tell
2: us what, what, what it says under Mo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are also the internal strategies that I try to take advantage of, the visualization association, um, any of those strategies. I teach those to my clients, but I am the first to say, hey, I depend on this, and it helps me in this way, and I have grown to use um, errors as well as good learning opportunities. If I forget something, I'll humbly be the one to point it out to a client and say, oh, look, look, this is what happened when I didn't use a strategy. What could I have done to prevent this? oh, that's a great idea. What in your life could you apply that strategy to? Um, So I try to maturely (laughs) use the errors as learning opportunities. That has been a big uh, growing opportunity for me to not, um, I'm, as is typical of many speech pathologists, I am, I lean towards a type A, I'm very organized and goal-oriented, so I can be very hard on myself naturally if I fail to meet a goal. Um, But I've grown through this experience in learning to take a step back and have a growth mindset of, okay, what can I learn from this and what can I do next time to prevent it?
0: Do you feel like clients trust you more because you have experienced some of what they're going through?
1: I hope so. I hope so. That is one of the reasons I stuck with speech pathology. Um, There were challenges involved with me deciding to stick with it. Um, Anna was wonderful throughout that. She, I had to retake and pass the praxis um, because I had passed the two-year time limit by one month when I realized. But I had to retake it, and I had to redo my clinical fellowship. Um, So there were a lot of challenges, but I stuck with it, and I hope that that gives me some credibility. Um, humble credibility. Like I said, I can point out to clients what I wish I had done, um, why I stuck with something or how something led to a success. Um, one of my strategies that I encourage my clients to use is forming a journal of successes and um, Throughout my recovery, the earlier days, I noticed that I could do nine out of 10 things correctly, but of course, I would only remember the one thing that had really emotionally impacted me, which was being the type of person I am was probably the discouraging moment. So to compensate for that, I formed a notebook in which I dated and wrote down um, any successes, like being able to put my hair in a ponytail for the first time, despite the hemiparesis, um, or walking without a cane, things like that. Um, Yeah, and lots of good, encouraging, processing conversations with Anna, I'm sure. (laughs) She was wonderful. She... We, she came over, we and first of all, we had only worked together for four and a half months before the accident. Four and a half months, but she was such a great friend. She would come over to the house, eat dinner with my family and be encouraging, um, help me with therapy activities. Um, and then as I progressed, In therapy, we started dialoguing about the clinical applications, and that led us to publish an article in the ASHA journal, the Speech-Language Hearing Association journal, and eventually led to our presenting at the ASHA um, conference. So that was live in DC. So she's been wonderful throughout.
2: So you guys were in fellowship together when Laura, you had your accident. So at fellowship, were you already like a licensed clinician at that point and you were just going past or how does that work?
3: Yeah. Anna, do you want to explain that? Sure. It's kind of a unique thing to speech pathology I think um, you're not technically like a hundred percent certified speech therapist yet but you are it's a real job like you're paid and um, but you have a supervisor where you work um, who you report to or who kind of makes sure that you're on the right track um, so Laura and I were both doing that at the skilled nursing facility. And yeah, so we were just out of grad school. And as I'm kind of gathering, maybe Monique knows, maybe you too, like the skilled nursing (laughs) facility is, it it can be intense, especially as a new grad. yeah Um, because you like come in with this like big like ideal view of everything and you're like oh I'm gonna imply everything that I learned and you're like oh I just need to like help you like sit up in the bed because you have like booted all the way down and like you need to be changed. And oh, like I need to deal with all of these other things. Like I can't even get to the speech therapy part. Um, So yeah. So then Laura and I like really leaned on each other of like, wow, okay, this is a little different than what we expected. Um, We're going to figure it out. We're going to get through it. We ended up carpooling too, because we lived sort of in the same area and, um, where we were working was fairly far. Um, so we, like after the first few days, I started maybe like two weeks before Laura or something like that. And then when you started and we discovered that we lived so close, um, yeah. So the car rides became like very, emotional like the mornings like pumping each other up yeah (laughs) um and then in the afternoon like evening afternoons like kind of crying and (laughs) 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 but um but i mean and sharing good times for sure too but also yeah getting through some things that were were tough so
2: so anna you know laura mentioned how like you stepped up and like really played it in in her opinion a huge role into her her rehab process <clears throat> so you know as you share the story about how you guys carpooled and stuff like that like what was it <clears throat> about it that made you say hey like i need to to step up here or i want to step up
3: yeah you know because
2: as you mentioned working in skilled nursing you you're just trying to get your your bearings as what you're wanting to do as a professional and a friend colleague who you've just met for a couple months has this tragic uh life experience and you said hey I I need to step up I I need to help her I need to do that you know and and it's first of all that's amazing Uh, that you had that um, within you to say that I need to do that. Because, you know, I feel like in today's world, we don't see stuff like that, um, which is pretty sad uh, in in my opinion. Um, But it's nice that that was something that that you did for somebody that you just met. (laughs) Um, Because it's real easy to say, well, damn, you know, this person that I was working with and carpooling, like now I got to drive. Like, you know, like you could simply, <laughs> it's very easy to, to just say, well, shoot, sucks. She's at an accident. I'll check in on her every now and then. But, you know, I, I still got my life, my career, my stuff that I need to do. Um, but you didn't do that. Um, and, and as a result, uh, to me and, and the whole faith thing, like you're now reaping the rewards from that, both professionally, I'm going to assume personally as well with your guys' relationship, sure. um, but tell me about, like, when you find out that, you know, Laura's had this accident and everything that's involved.
3: Yeah. Um, well, thank you for giving me so much credit there. I think that one of the major reasons that I did stay so involved was because, i loved laura and had like even though it was like a short period of time she does have some i think monique saw it too because it was still there even after the accident (laughs) like you meet her once and you're like wow this person is really special and like really just like a great person to be around so even though it had been a short period of time we had i felt a very close bond um so yeah, when I found out that Laura had this accident, I was actually at work and the, I believe it was the, uh, another speech therapist there. um, I think, I think like somehow someone in, in your family, Laura, like maybe your cousin or aunt or someone had like managed to get a hold of our supervisor at work and, contacted him and then he told like the head or more senior speech therapist and then she pulled me aside and I do I remember just kind of being like in shock at first or not like it wasn't I wasn't really like fully processing I was just kind of like okay like flat tire what was that I said flat tire (laughs) I was just I I was like upset by it but I don't think I like could process in that moment, just, like, the magnitude of everything, and I felt like it even maybe took, like, a couple of days um, where I was, I was just, like, okay, well, I'm gonna get, like, it's okay, I'll, like, get everything done, I'll, like, help with her patients, I'll like, I was just, had gone into whatever mode of, and then, and obviously, I, like, reached out to her family and was, and tried, and they, they were great at, like, keeping me updated and um, keeping um, everyone updated through caring bridge website as well. And then I think I remember like maybe after like three days or something, it just like hit me. And I like couldn't get through a work day without breaking down. I would be like breaking down in front of like any patients who like Laura had worked with. Um, I found like some like memory aid that Laura you had made for one of the patients. And it was like, so nice. It was something about like, make sure you ask for help. You can always ask. It was like someone who was like scared to ask for help, like press the call bell and you had written like, you cannot always, ask- you should ask for help. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that sounds so much like Laura. And I was like <laughs> crying with the patient. And I remember crying with the patient's um, daughter, like about you. And she- yeah. So (laughs) then I, I, yeah, I had, I was still like trying to like reach out with your family and, and doing stuff with them. And then I also realized that I needed to like take care of myself, um, too. So I ended up going to starting therapy, um, for myself and like changed my work hours in order to see a therapist because it was just a huge loss in my life too, um, and I, at that point too, like you were still in a coma. I think I, I don't. I, we didn't know mm-hmm. at all, like what what the outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, it, the rest of the time in the skilled nursing is a little bit of a blur. But I, mm-hmm. I somehow made it through and got my clinical fellowship. And then I was like, all right, bye. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah um and yeah but it was it was it was a tough period obviously for for Laura's family and um for me as well but I I really yeah I wanted to stay involved I was always a little unsure I didn't want to be like annoying to your family um especially because I I I didn't think they were so kind i don't think they would have thought that but um but i i didn't know them very well you know i knew i knew you well pretty well because we spent like all day together Um, trenches together (laughs) yes exactly um but they were you know so so gracious too and reaching out to me and keeping me updated and um and inviting, like once you were home, inviting me over and, and all of that. So, yeah.
0: So with the challenges, you know, as a speech therapist with all the evidence and clinical, um, information available, the challenges that she went through suffering from the traumatic brain injury, what made you think that she would still be an excellent speech language pathologist? And for her to keep trying.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think probably a combination of what I knew of from Laura before the accident as just someone who was so driven and hardworking um, and smart and motivated and kind. Like she, she obviously like had all of those already in her background. Um, And then once I, realized like in, saw in her recovery that she was, you know, able to, she was still like her personality wise, like it was still her. Um, some of the memory stuff was difficult, but I did feel like I, you still had like the major, like speech therapy knowledge in there. You know, like when we would talk about things, like you knew, you knew your stuff, um, and I think like the the short term memory things you were compensating so well so early. Like Monique said, like that di- diary you kept of like and like logging everything. You always had like goals for yourself <laughs> for the day. <laughs> Like you were like the perfect you like gave yourself the perfect speech <laughs> therapy. Like like any speech therapist would be oh, like well did, my did God, she, this is the model patient. Did she tell you she fired her,
0: the speech therapist that came to do her evaluation?
3: <laughs> I don't know if I knew Wait,
0: about that. I don't even remember that story. Before, no,
3: yes, no. There,
0: there, there was a speech therapist who did come to do your evaluation and I think I saw you the day after it, and I asked your family how did it go, and your mom was like, "You talk to Laura about that." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and um, uh, you basically said that you didn't. It didn't feel right, and there were certain things that you knew you could do on your own, and you felt like you were treated. Uh, you weren't treated. Your views weren't respected as a patient, and mm-hmm. that just gave me insight in that I can push certain things on you. I had to listen to you and allow you to guide where our treatment plan was gonna go. But yes, you you did. <laughs> you did.
3: <That's>
1: um... <laughs> I really you didn't do that. <laughs>
3: I did. I had not heard that. I did know that speech <laughs> therapy was not Laura's favorite of the three. In fact, yeah. it was it was last on the list. that I was aware of. But. I hate it. All- <laughs> I
0: hate it speech. And, um, Anna, but sorry, Anna. You know what? There was one particular evening I was working with her, and I I did notice what you noticed. I was like. There, she has the personality to have gone through this because, you know, growing up in the church, you hear people saying, God never gives you more than oh. you could bear. Um, and he gives the toughest battles to Just his toughest soldiers. Yeah, <laughs> And like her personality through it, I was like, wow. Like I was like, I know this couldn't have been me. I would have probably been like, you know, screw it. I'm done. (laughs) Um, but she, she just, and I was like, she is going to be an amazing therapist or Mm -hmm. like a motivational speaker or something. I was like, there's a reason. Turned out to be
3: both.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, Yeah. There had to be a reason everything happened. And she wrote something, um, because your parents created, um, like uh you spoke about it, yeah. The, care, the Karen, thing, and, mm-hmm. yeah, the Karen Bridge to keep everyone updated on everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. And you wrote about uh Talita Takum. Talita Takum yeah. Um yeah. And I read that and I was like, Yep, that's that's it. That's 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 what I couldn't put my finger on. And I was mm-hmm. like, Yep, she you're gonna you're gonna redefine like treatment of, uh, patients with traumatic brain injuries mm-hmm. and so forth. And it, it made me become a more patient, um, clinician. And I was like, once, once you get back to speech language pathology, if you do, if that's what you chose to do, I, I knew you'd be, you'd be awesome at it. You'd be giving it from a different perspective mm-hmm. because we did have those conversations, but mm-hmm. I know sometimes you can remember, remember them
1: no news to me but um yeah yeah i've so many things that i could talk about in what you just said but thank you thank you for that um that input that's so valuable anna and i have talked at length throughout mm-hmm. the recovery my recovery process of that like Why do I hate speech so much? (laughs) I go into this career. Why do I hate it? Um, And we think that speech is up against some very challenging things in the recovery process, particularly in cognitive rehabilitation. One being that it's really dang hard, um, and you can't visually you can't see the progress like you can in physical therapy Determined people like myself we can grasp on to that goal of like oh okay i just gotta make my body do this um but it's really hard to make your brain do something especially if you can't remember the strategy <laughs> um so that was one reason that ann and i realize that speech pathology is so difficult. Um, And the, you brought up the Talitha Qalum, that is what Jesus said when he raised a little girl from the dead. And it means little girl get up. And even before the accident, I had loved that story for different reasons. And I had a necklace engraved with a phrase that I wore all the time. So it was no surprise. I was wearing it at the time of the accident. Um, so then it became symbolic of like little girl, get up for whatever reason, this wasn't your time <laughs> and just press on, keep going. Um, now I have the phrase tattooed on my left arm that I intentionally thought <laughs> in a place where I could see it. And I, yeah, feel it from the tattoo being put on. So it's a physical reminder of, yeah, it's hard. This side of heaven is not easy at times. Some things make it even more difficult, but keep your eyes on the prize and one step in front of the other. Uh, Keep going. I think that is an overarching theme in cognitive rehabilitation is just that keep going. (laughs) And I'm passionate about compensatory strategies all tied up in that reason. Anna and I have talked about it a lot, um, mm-hmm. where compensatory strategies are something that, uh, well, the external strategies are visual. So you can see what you're doing. Um, so there are the memory strategies that it taps into becomes um, uh, you're tapping into the kinesthetic uh cues to remember the strategy, but you can see the results of using a strategy. Um yeah, I'm sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here because I'm passionate well, about No, using <laughs> no you, you
0: you you got you need to talk about it because mm-hmm. um as physical therapists we need to understand exactly what you guys uh, contribute to a patient that we might be seeing who would have cognitive issues. And if they're not doing well cognitively, we would not be successful with our plan of care because they're not processing it. So it, mm-hmm. it goes hand in hand. And it's very
2: easy for us to say, well, there's cognitive, uh, you know, impairments, so we can't do anything, right? Like it's easy to kind of say, push the patient to the side because like, you know they've got some cognitive impairments. They can't make the connections. They can't follow the simple commands that we want them to get. So we just kind of push them. Whereas a lot of times we bring someone like yourselves in into the case. You know there may be cues that you can help them so that then they can follow what it is we're trying to get them to do. But mm-hmm. um, a, a question for both of you is, why speech? Like what drove mm-hmm. you each? to want to do that. Um, You know, I I can say for me as a physical therapist and probably Mo, because she played soccer, you know, most physical therapists with sports, you know, that draws them to the profession. And, and even when they become clinicians, they want to pursue that sports field, the outpatient, working with athletes, that kind of stuff. What was it for, for you, um, Laura and Anna, that, that said, this is what I want to do with my life.
1: Good question. Um, Anna, do you want to go
3: first? or do you, you, want- you can go first.
1: Um, no, no. In high school, I took some American Sign Language classes, and that made me fall in love with, uh, well, <laughs> I'm even now about to use the phrasing the cognitive linguistic world, but uh, I didn't know it to be that at that time. I was just so um, interested in sign language, and I got an undergrad degree in communication sciences and disorders, um, and I have one professor that convinced me um, to go into speech pathology, and so, for my master's, I went to a school where I could get the master's in speech pathology and a concentration in oral rehabilitation, which... I, at that time of my life, I thought that was the direction my life was going, (laughs) but it went in a different direction, still involving rehab though, which I think is kind of interesting in hindsight, looking back. Anna?
3: Yeah. Um, My mom was a special education teacher in the public schools, like the elementary school in town. And um, so I would sometimes, like when I was... Old, like in my high school, college years, like go to the school with her, like meet some of the other people she worked with, and so she worked with speech therapists. And I was like, she also worked with physical therapists and occupational therapists. <laughs> but um, I, I sort of thought for some reason, or she was closest to speech therapists. Um, so I, I got like exposed to that, and I thought, oh, this yeah. seems kind of interesting. Um, so so, I always had it in the back of my mind. Um, and then I ended up majoring in psychology and then working in a psychology lab with children. And I thought like, oh, you know, I like, I like this, but I really want to like, so I was doing research. I was like, I really want to just like work with people. Um, and, and I'm, I still am interested in speech therapy. So I went to, to grad school for it, thinking that I wanted to work with children, um, doing like speech and language in schools, which is what I had known. Cause, and to be honest, I didn't know how much speech therapists could do beyond that, um, until I got to grad school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then, yeah, I had a client, one of my first clients was an older man, um, and he had aphasia and he was amazing and i learned so much from him and then i ended up with my first out placement at the hospital um adventist rehab hospital in rockville which is where we're currently and i loved it there and i was like hmm i actually think i want to do this adults thing um and realized i really liked the cognitive part and the swallowing part too um although that came a little bit later my interest in swallowing but um yeah so sort of changed my focus in grad school a little bit and then ended up working with adults
0: so what range of stuff you said you found out when you were in grad school the wide range of <laughs> things that a speech language pathologist can do um Can you share some of those things for (laughs) anyone who might be interested in joining the profession?
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, So we do work on speech, since that is in our name. However, (laughs) um, and also voice, which is related. We Mm -hmm. also work on language. So if people are having trouble um, maybe after... A brain injury, some type of brain injury if they have trouble understanding what other people are saying or expressing themselves. So like when I used the term aphasia before, that's a difficulty with language after a brain injury. Um, And we also work on swallowing. So people can have difficulty chewing and swallowing. I think, Laura, you had maybe a little bit of difficulty with that initially, but then you had a swallow study and you analyzed it yourself, I remember correctly. And so I could see
1: the screen <laughs> <laughs> autopilot and was interpreting what I saw
3: going on. Okay. Go back. Yeah. To- <laughs> um, and yeah, and we can work with with children in schools. We can work with adults. Um, we can work in the NICU. With, um baby. I, I have no idea how to do any of that, but I know that there are some speech therapists who work in that <laughs> setting. Um, so there's there's a wide range. I'm sure I forgot some things. So, Laura, can you think of anything else?
1: Oh, there's just the little things like accent modification, which goes with the voice. Um, but Actually, both in both of us, in our different settings, we work largely with the brain. <laughs> Wouldn't you say that's true?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, with thinking, um, yeah, yeah, so the executive functions.
3: Oh, yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> Good point. That's <laughs> yes. That's a large, very large part. <laughs> do you, Cognitive do you,
2: skills. Do you find that in the the speech pathology, uh, field, is there opportunity? to be an entrepreneur uh, a business owner or is it is it something where you're kind of always under somebody
3: um no i think there are opportunities is for sure to be a business owner i personally have not done that but i do know many people Our who have practice. their own mm-hmm. yeah, private, yeah practices private practices or other kinds of businesses yeah
2: And then as a follow up to that, like in the physical therapy world, especially now, um, here recently, you know, we, this, there's a lot of discussion about the cost of the education. So how much time and money we spend to get our degree to become licensed. And then the, the money-making potential that, that we have, um, you know, we always say on here, like we didn't become physical therapists because we wanted to be millionaires. Because we knew going into it, or at least I hope most of us knew going into it that that's not that wasn't going to happen. But at the same time, you know, we want to live a certain life and have certain comforts and, and blessings um, that, from the amount of work that you put in, uh, should you should be able to to manage. Is that something that gets disgusting the profession? Like, is there an overall sense that? hey, we do a lot, but we're not making anything close to what we should be making. Like, does that happen in in your world as well?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) More so than than (laughs) yours. Yeah, you don't go into it um, for the prosperity factor, but... um, Yeah, I think it's also one of the careers that has remarkably high satisfaction Um, because you go into it because you love people and you love helping them think, speak, express themselves. Um, For speech therapy, uh, that's what draws us to the field under any of the different areas, whether you fall into voice, speech, swallowing, language, cognition, Um, you want to help people and you want to, so you get to do that. So I I don't think you can put a monetary value on that. I think there's great opportunity for satisfaction.
3: Yeah. That being said, I do think there is a push to make it make grad school more accessible, especially because um, our field is not very diverse um, to, so I will give a shout out to um, now our friend, I kind of introduced uh, Christina Royster has mm. a group called diversity SLP. Um, she and I went to grad school together and then I introduced her to Laura later on. And there, it's- there's a lot of other things, um, i think similar kinds of organizations too but i just know her and her is, is a great one so definitely trying to i think like some programs like you i think university of maryland now has like an like a night school kind of program or like after work hour you know because f- there's people who may have to be working through grad school right um trying to allow people who want to go into the field but may not have enough money to afford grad school um that ability so and more scholarship programs that kind of thing too so i think yeah
2: and your field is a masters program correct
3: yes yeah one thing yeah well i won't get into that right now <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot to talk about like specializing because because we are there's so much you can do it's a lot to just fit into a master's program like with everything that laura and i mentioned before so there's there, i mean maybe it's the same in your field too there's always a lot of controversies and things to
2: yeah i mean we have you know under so under our national organization the american physical therapy association apta like We'll have different sections, um, and within those sections, you can specialize. So there's like a cardiac section, a neurological section, a woman's health section, a sports section. You know, so within the big umbrella, then you've got some offshoots, and you can kind of do stuff like that. Um, I, I would get the sense that as you guys were describing that, you know, there would be opportunity uh to to kind of be more niche um Mm -hmm. and and establish you know yourself as a a practitioner of xyz whatever Mm -hmm. that may be um you know and and just having the opportunity to to make an an impact to a very specific population um and and then you know uh, help there but hopefully be able to to do well from a monetary standpoint as well yeah definitely
0: so um are you guys going to continue to team up to do presentations at your um chap- your, sorry your associations uh conferences do more research articles <laughs> what's the plan <laughs>
1: Well, our big push was the ASHA presentation, so we've sort of let ourselves coast.
3: (laughs) We just did that last year, like November, this past November.
1: Yeah, so a little bit now. (laughs) So much was required (laughs) for that that probably. Oh, the other areas of Mm -hmm. our lives.
2: (laughs) How how was that presentation received? Like, did you guys get good feedback on it? Has it given you other opportunities that, you know, you possibly didn't know were, were available to you?
3: Yeah, I think it, I mean, there was a larger audience than I think either of us expected, which was great. And then we, because of that, we were invited on a speech therapy podcast recently, um, which, yeah. So it definitely gave us some other opportunities Awesome
1: Contact connections. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, I, I mean, I love to see the evolution of your friendship and professional relationship, starting off as fellows, and mm-hmm. now both practicing uh, speech language pathologists and poss- co- co-authors and co-presenters. Mm-hmm. So this this is great. Um, Alex and I appreciate you taking the time to be on our podcast. Um, and, uh, we welcome any news that you guys have in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, again, Laura, you were life-changing for me Mm
2: -hmm.
0: personally and professionally. And Anna, I truly appreciate people like you who see the good in people and stick with them, believing in them and encouraging them through some of the most difficult moments.
3: Thank you. That's yes. Thank easy. you both
2: uh, yeah. mm-hmm. again for for spending time with us and and you know taking the time to be with us. Laura sharing your story and Anna, you know, how you kind of played a part in her story. Uh I, I think it it speaks on many different levels. Um but at the core is just being you know good human being, uh you know, just sharing, you know, good emotions, love and everything, uh, for another human being and, and, and how far that has gotten you. And like I said before, I, I feel pretty confident that you guys are just now starting to flourish because of the experiences that you had together. And, and, and hopefully there'll be many more opportunities for you, uh, professionally to, to continue to, to grow on, on these experiences and, and kind of educating, because again, it, it's, a something that I was unaware of, you know, as to what your profession brings, uh, to, to my patients, um, and, and how they can benefit from you. Um, so that you guys putting forth the effort and and putting out that information, those presentations, uh, that's awesome. So definitely kudos to you too, and, and continue the work. Um, if there's ever anything that Mo and I can do to help spread the word, or or get things along please do not hesitate to let us know because um you know we are one of our things is to now educate people not only about physical therapy but just about life and and good experiences and sharing good experiences because uh we don't really hear a lot of good stuff you know we hear a lot more of the bad stuff so it's always good to to spread some good stuff well
3: thank you for doing that thank you for having this platform and allowing us to be on it and share our story too.
2: Awesome, awesome. Uh, thank you. Well, to all our subscribers, thank you for always watching and, and supporting us. Uh, for those that are just watching for the first time, please subscribe, follow, comment, let us know how we're doing. Uh, Mo and I really appreciate everything and everybody that that's supporting us along the way and this journey that you know we're embarking on that uh, hopefully take us to some bigger, better places.
0: <laughs> yes, definitely. All right. Good night, everyone.
2: Good night. Thank good you. Night. You too, again. Have a lovely evening.